Hello and welcome to Afternoon Ask Anything, this time with company. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. I'm joined by Chris Carter in the, the Carter crib and Tom Reed in the Columbus crib. And here's how this works. You just leave your questions for us and we go at them. Uh, not anything any more complicated than that. We get started with Jerry Bevel, who says, could you see the Steelers trading up to 16 or 17 if needed to grab Najee Harris? Carter. I, I don't see it because they'd have trading up means you're probably losing the day, day two pick and they do not want to lose day two picks with the prospects on the board. They want to stay right where they are. If it's, if it's not Najee Harris, let it be Travis Etienne. Tim Tukarczyk asks, what are your thoughts on the NHL playoffs? Do the Penguins want the division or to be better off getting second? Tom, I know you've got some thoughts on this. Uh, I think you want to try to finish as high as possible because that means you're going – the way these teams are so close, it means that you're going in if – if you finish first, it means you're really going in on a roll. I mean, these the top three teams, really now the top four teams, are so close – I think it's uh, if you if you win the division, that means you are really going in on a roll. I think that could only benefit them. Yeah, you know what? What's funny is I was asked that question on on WPXI last night, and like all three of us on the panel just had like no response. Like it, it's not easy to stump you know people that are paid to be on these shows, but we were like we have no idea where we'd want the Penguins to finish because we have no idea who we want them to play. It's that much of a toss-up yeah and, and there's so many variables at play too it's it's not just uh boston that i know you've written about tom yeah uh, it's 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 the fact that we don't even know what the penguins are until they get everybody healthy and then they have jeff <laughs> carter and everything you know it is a strange it is strange because of that carter's still working his way into the lineup and obviously some heavy hitters missing from the penguins lineup uh i do agree with that uh we don't know exactly what this team is yet but i would still rather have as, as well as they have played at home, on home ice this year, and now you know this isn't two or three weeks. They've been a good team at home. I, I would want to play as many games at home as possible. Yeah, I gotta, well, there is that here. Nick Nick Dodowski asks, who's the most underrated player on the Pirates? Um, I'll, I'll try this one. I don't know that any of the Pir Pirates players get rated. Okay, <laughs> I always take I always take that term. Literally now, other than Kibrian Hayes, obviously, because right. he he is he is what he is and who he is, but I think it's going to take more sustained production, like what we've seen from Colin Moran and Brian Reynolds in particular, but also Adam Frazier, um, JT Brubaker, the way he's pitched. Once you start seeing these guys perform like this on a consistent level, then you're going to start seeing them get into more of a discussion. Let's be honest here, guys. What they've done here so far is impressive. Okay. No, you're right. I, I mean, I, if they didn't get their brains beat out in Cincinnati, we'd be having a whole different dialogue <laughs> right now. We we certainly would be. And DK, I mean, that was what I was going to ask with Brian Reynolds. I mean, he looks good out, out there. That's what I was going to. When you said nobody's rated right now, is it be just because they're still the Pirates and everyone's just going to oh, look past this right now? Absolutely. Somebody on Fangraphs. Uh, earlier today did this like super deep analytical ranking of the da -da 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 -da, whatever and then they had all these little whatever and then they had a pretty decent ranking on the pirates like as far as the analytics go and how they perform to date and then the dude takes some random cheap shot at the end mm. well, i mean what are you what are you doing with that then why have analytics right <laughs> you know gary morgan 
has a question for Mr. Carter. He says, will the Steelers get a tight end to expand the room or just ride or die with what they have? Uh, it depends on, you know, expanding the room, what you mean by that, Gary, because this, this is a peculiar tight end class. Of course, Kyle Pitts is the top guy. He's going top 10. They'll never sniff him. But I, I'm not – I'm sorry. I'm not trying to pick Pat Fryermuth with the 24th pick overall or anywhere in the first round. If he's around in the second or third round when they're picking later, that's that 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 would be an, an answer there. I like the best fits are Tommy Tremble and Brevin Jordan in the third round. You get one of those guys – those guys, either one of those guys, I could see contributing this year. But once you start getting to the Trey McKitties and the Quentin Morrises and Nick Eubanks, that's when you're sitting around. It's like that's going to be Zach Gentry all over again. You hope he hits. If he doesn't, oh well, and you try again next year. But this isn't the year I would draft high at tight end unless someone just fell way too far. Daniel Matos in Brazil, of course, has a soccer question. Now, I don't mean to label you, Daniel. I know that you're interested in more than just soccer. Otherwise, you'd just have one name. Like, you'd just be just Daniel. <laughs> hey, Tom, what are your concerns regarding the European Super League? And before I throw this to Tom, I can tell you that I, I I read a lot of material on this yesterday. It's a fascinating story. Uh, for anybody who doesn't know, the 12, eh, not the 12 biggest clubs, but 12 of the biggest clubs in Europe decided to just leave. Like, they're just going to go build their own fortress somewhere and make their own money and stay completely independent of FIFA, to which FIFA has said, oh, really, will you now? So who's going to be the one to break it to your players that it's the FIFA World Cup and your players won't be able to represent their countries if you do this? It's fascinating. Yeah, it certainly is. Uh, this is just uh, greed for greed's sake. Um, I I think, I think really, I'll be honest, I don't think this ever comes to fruition. I think their grand plan here is to try to get the UEFA League, which runs Champions League right now in Europe, mm -hmm. to make some kind of comp major compromise to bend them to, the, to their will. It's good. What they're proposing is basically a 20-team league with 15 teams that can never drop out of out of out of the league. In other words, they can't mm -hmm. be relegated from it. Right. And five, and five, five rotating. The they'll throw, they'll yep. throw table scraps to like five other teams. And to me, that is ridiculous. It's just absolute greed for greed's sake. Uh it's a ploy. I think what it's a ploy. It's a ploy. And I do think that eventually a compromise will be will be reached. Uh these teams will probably get a little bit more of what they want, which is money. That's the bottom line here. Uh, I do think the one interesting little component of this, there are more and more American owners in this sport and in, in the major teams, certainly Manchester United, Liverpool, there's some others. And they look at the United States sports and they look at, at they look at the NFL and know the Cleveland Browns is as crappy as they've been for a long stretch of times. They never get they never yeah. get relegated. Well, yeah. look, the Lerner family bought the Browns for five hundred million dollars. They were terrible for 16 of 17 years. They sold it for $1 billion. That would never happen in soccer if they were the team was that bad. They'd be down in Division Three. And Randy Lerner, who owned the Browns and owned Aston Villa, is a perfect example. Uh, he went down with Villa. He ended up sending it for, selling it for $90 million. Probably lost $400 million over the term of his, of his ownership. So yeah, this is well, what they want. They want security of not being dropped down. Steve Smith says through the uh, uh, hey DK Chris and Tom, you've said before that there's no game audio in press boxes. There isn't any way to watch the TV feeds for any replay comments. No, 
No, it's press. They're press boxes. They're silent yeah. monitors that are yeah. over our heads. Yeah, we are the replay commentary. That's crazy. Like, you know, it's like, <laughs> there's no way he got that. Uh, yeah, like that's about it. But yeah, it's just the CTV monitors above us. But like that's like with the Jesse James catch, we were all look like asking around. Like I remember us being there and be like, are they really reviewing this? Is this actually going to happen? Things yeah, that's like why that. when, uh, but that's why, I, and I think this is what Steve's getting at because I do this a lot on, on on our live files on DK Pittsburgh Sports where they mm. say, "Did you hear what so and so said?" And like, no, no. we didn't. <laughs> Paul says we all know that the Penguins are loaded up front and are decent on D. I don't know. I agree with all that. Uh, but do they have a goalie that can steal a playoff game like Flurry Murray and Carey Price can? Well, let me let me take this one. Um, first of all, the Penguins being loaded up front. Let's see how this works whenever Jeff Carter is in the lineup and what that third line looks like and whether or not Malkin and Kapanen are healthy enough. And if McCann is on the left wing with Malkin and Kapanen, which I hope that he is, how does Zucker fit with Carter? Who's on the right side with Carter? But this idea, you're saying that they're decent on D. The six actual defensemen who are starting for this team have been quite good. When this team gives up odd man breaks like they did, uh, in the very opening minute <clears throat> yesterday in Buffalo, yeah, that can be a defenseman, but more often than not, it's going to be forwards. It's going to be it's a, it's a team thing with these guys. Can the goalie steal a playoff game? The easy answer to that is we've got no idea. Tristan Jari's played one playoff game. You know what I mean? And ask Tom Reed in Columbus what it's like to see goaltending excellence in the regular season and how much it means when they get to playoffs since he covered our man Bob out there for years. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Yeah, we're, you're right. You're, it's, it's, and it really goes to the, the, the start of the season, right, DK? We weren't sure what Tristan Jari would do once the safety net of Matt Murray <laughs> was released. And you know what? He struggled for a week or two, and it's been mm. okay ever since then. <laughs> uh, you just got out. You just got he, does. he does. He does. He has. Yeah. Gary says Tom straight up sounds like Albie. <laughs> I'm dying over here. <laughs> Matthew says, "Is it too early to declare Colin Moran as National League MVP?" Follow up: How many ski lifts do you think he's worth? Asking for a friend. Uh, Colin Moran is is off to a really good start, but I don't want to. I don't want to overstate it because he's 200 points above his career OPS right now. Mm. But but the 2020 Colin Moran, and really, if you go back through his time with the Pirates, he's done well with runners on base. If you are one of those people who does not believe in the concept of clutch, there is the cyber door because it does exist in sports. And Colin Moran is aware of it. Colin Moran he sees big situations, and he hits the ball. It is backed up by the data, not just yesterday with the three-run homer and the, and the game-winning double. He does it on a consistent basis, and that is what managers most want to see from their cleanup hitter. The best thing you can say about Colin Moran right now is that he has been an excellent fit for the cleanup spot on a team that did not appear to have any such thing. Craig says, good afternoon, gentlemen. Once the minor league season starts, what happens to the alternate site? If it stays intact, what does that count for guys' contract service time? Does it count as major league time? Uh, the alternate site for the Pirates doesn't exist. For other teams, it does. They're calling it an alternate site, but they're, 
<laughs> they're going up to Pitt. And uh, what's the name of the baseball field up there? Cost? Uh, whatever it is behind Trees Gym. Whatever. Yeah, whatever. call it. <laughs> whatever the name of it is. Uh, is they, that the prop name? <laughs> yes. yes they've also been, the Steelers have also been loaning out portions of Heinz Field for the Pirates alternate site guys mm. uh, to do their work whenever the Pirates are in town. Right now they're out of town, so I see the lights on every night at PNC Park. So they're doing work. They're getting simulated games in and so forth. Uh, what happens when the minor leagues come back? The minor leagues come back. Uh, it's, as, it's as simple as that here. David Jamison, regarding the jersey number free-for-all in the NFL, am I the only one not crazy about the rule? Am I the only one who really cares? I don't think it's a free-for-all. I think it's there's X number of positions, wide receiver and whoever, that are now allowed to wear single digits because they were just getting so – they're running out of numbers. Yeah, they run out of numbers. And and especially with expanded rosters and how things are working, it makes us I, – I like the rule. I don't think I, I don't think there's like like much about it that's too crazy. It's just, hey, you know what? If you want to wear a single-digit number, great. And those single-digit numbers, those players love those things because that's what they wore in college and high school. I think it's cool. I don't think I, – I don't see the downside of it. Steve says, do you notice how much more movement the catchers are making these days to bring balls into the zone? Yes. And it's excruciating to watch sometimes. You know, these guys got to watch it because you can overdo that and tick off the umpire. And you know what I'm talking about because now it's all about pitch framing. And it's now it's an attack on your catcher manhood if you can't turn a pitch that's way out here into a strike by yanking it back. And you, I'm telling you – they, they're going to have to watch it. Uh, I, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a great look. Sometimes, Mister Eric says, "Are the Pirates still better than the Yankees?" Yes, by two games. Yes, by two games. The Yankees are five and ten. I mean, they are. <laughs> what do you, what do you want to say? The Yankees have lost. I think it's five in a row now. Not that anybody here cares about them. Jeremy says, "DK, to be clear." I'm all about drafting round, running back in round one, but as we all know, drafts never go as planned. Who falling to 24 would force your hand and have you pass on the top RBs? Well, um, there's a few defensive players that would fall. First of all, for all the people that keep – that I see. Charlie, I saw Charlie Castley last week mock – uh, Justin Fields to 24. Like, of course they pick him, but that's not happening. I'm sorry. There's nothing in this world that's making that happen. Uh, and, you know, unless he's got, you know, he's got a random elbow injury that we haven't heard about, but he did, that just magically didn't show in his pro day. That ain't happening. You know, you mean, when he threw the ball 65 yards in the air, right? Like, like there's, there's nothing there. Unless he has some dark past that no one knows that ain't happening. Uh, players that I would consider, uh, Michael Parsons, linebacker at Penn state, not happening. He's going top 10, top 12 at worst. Well, who, who would happen? Maybe Caleb Farley. That'd be the one guy that really peeks out to me. And Caleb Farley, to me, on tape, he would be the best cornerback in this draft. However, he opted out of this last season, and he had recent back surgery. That was the second back surgery he's had in recent years. So with that, there's chances that he could fall down some boards. But that's here and there. A lot of guys, a lot of experts are saying, like, I don't know, some coaches maybe looking at this guy higher or lower. He'd be one guy I would pump the brakes on and think about at the position. But um, most other guys, they're not falling. Hey, Carter, this is uh, Tom in Columbus. I have a question for you. Is there any way you would take an offensive lineman? 
Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, Rashawn Slater, if he falls down, uh, Christian Darisaw, if he he falls are these down. All, are these all tackles? You talk about – you cite these names like everybody knows who they it's are. Very sorry. These are all offensive tackles I'm mentioning. Yeah, that's what I thought because it's apologies. supposed to be a crazy tackle draft. It, it is. And the thing is is that because the, uh, there's no combine and it's been a weird year, we don't know how this is going to flesh out even less than we do in most years. A, a lot of us, like myself, we presume Rashawn Slater, Christian Darisaw, they're going – top 15 at the latest. And then you got players like Elijah Vera Tucker. And then you're going to be looking at, you know, uh, you know, you know, maybe, you know, Liam Eisenberg, Dylan Raddins, you know, those type of guys, a, a Tevin Jenkins, those guys, we don't know where they could fall in the first rounds, but if, an, if, uh, you know, if, if we're, if we're looking at the offensive attack position and Darisaw or Slater fall, those would be automatic. Like, okay, I have to take them. And then we'll find a way in the second round to get the running back. But those would be my guys in the offensive line center position. Not, this year not That's, this year yeah these guys are all early to mid second round guys that maybe they could get if they trade up in the second round or trade back to the, in the first to get another second round pick Paul i think says, you have uh, to be exceptional you have to be exceptional to draft the center in the first round exactly i think yeah, so paul, paul says how high energy are the conversations between brian reynolds and colin moran do not lump them together uh brian reynolds has a deep voice he's got that uh, joke about he sounds like johnny cash and that's that was funny that he was using Johnny Cash as his walk-up music uh, for for a couple of years. His first couple of years with the Pirates, he talks like this. But do not mistake that for being dull. He's just really, really chill. There's a there's a difference. Moran, <laughs> that's a low energy conversation, <laughs> to say the least. Um, I've spent significant amount of time talking to Colin Moran. And when I say talking to Colin Moran, I mean it exactly like <laughs> like that. Steve says, where in the Hill District could there be a large mural of the Pittsburgh Crawford's version of Josh Gibson be painted? Or what other Crawford would you choose? Well, I mean, he's obvious. He's the obvious Crawford. Um, most unfortunately, there are all kinds of possible locations in the Hill yeah. uh, for for murals because there's a lot of halfway down buildings and there's still there's a lot of buildings that still need to be demolished in that area for as much progress has been made it's not as much as the regress yeah, there's 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 a lot of work that needs to be done in the hill district that that and home would have a lot of vacant lots and places that they're trying that they're trying to fix up here in pittsburgh it's part of the progress but uh you know i, I think josh gibson and you know satchel page is another guy you know you know for the time that he spent in pittsburgh when they were together ooh, that, 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 that was scary in the negro leagues but yeah i, I think it would be great to have more negro league murals put up in pittsburgh to honor the history that is represented there. well uh, some of that has to return to pnc park too very uh, true very true uh and they can thank frank coonley <laughs> for that stuff being taken away uh let's see what else we got here mr eric says how soon on cappy and gino that of course is a reference to kasperi kapan and evgeny malkin they'll be back in that order according to ron hextall uh Kapanen, uh is supposed to be like a later this week thing so you would figure he's got to get some time in practices. They've got three games against the Devils this week, all at home. They're not traveling. Uh, sh should be, you know, significant for them to get back on the ice with the team. And this is the separator here for me where, where Malkin is concerned because he's been skating. He sk started skating before Kapanen did, but he did so on his own. And you don't know what that is. Like, that could just be anything, right? Whose dog is that your dog, Tom? 
I got four pets in this house. We're deep in the house here. <laughs> got animals everywhere. There's a cat earlier begging to get in the room. My wife apparently took the cat away. So it's it it is we're we're a wild animal house here. Hey, I live in Jim Fowler territory here. No, no. God, who's the other zookeeper from my area? The guy from the Columbus Zoo, Jack Hanna. Jack Hanna's from Columbus. Oh, Jack Hanna's from Columbus. I did not yeah. know that. Josh yeah. uh, Josh Karadima asks, when, when Crosby gets his statue, is it going to be his yell after his comeback goal? <laughs> I thought that'd be really funny, considering what Sid actually yelled <laughs> on that goal. Is it was two words, and only one of them was, yeah. <laughs> Um, him on a knee or something else? I'll let you guys go first. Um, I guess holding up the cup would be would, would be one. Um, that that'd be that'd be one of my just like I mean, there's so many moments that Sidney Crosby's had for the Penguins. Uh, you know, I think I think the three cups that he's brought to the brought to the city, you'd want to try to find to make that part of the celebration in a statue. Just my opinion. Yeah, just I mean, as he, long as it's not him, him uh, celebrating the the win over the U.S. in 2010 Olympics. Uh, <laughs> Anything else works fine for me. That that was <laughs> no, not that one. Um, no, it, and it wouldn't be anything like that. I, and I don't know that it'd be the cup. If you think about the various statues that we have in Pittsburgh, none of them show a trophy or That's anything. That's a good point. Now Maz is celebrating a championship in his moment. Obviously, right. he's rounding second base, doing the cap twirl. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, where Sid goes, I think you'd look more in the spirit of the Mario statue and ask what is his defining trait. The younger Mario, his defining trait was beating guys one-on-one, -on -one, or in this case, one-on-two. Um, Sid, man, it's either the backhand, he's doing yes. something on his backhand. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> or That's exactly it. But the knee thing really works, though, because it's such a signature thing. Even now, you still don't see guys scoring on on the one knee the way that the way he does. It's such a signature move. And when I think of great players in all sports, look, if I'm making a Kareem statue, he's shooting the skyhook. I'm not overthinking it, you know. Right. And 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 that and that's and that's Sid here. Uh, Steve wants to know if there's any Pittsburgh area Olympian possibilities that we should know about for Tokyo. Um, to be honest with you, Steve, I have not heard of any. Um, Same. That, that does not mean they don't exist, but you have to understand the way the process works, even in those years when I was covering Olympics, and Tom can back me up as someone who's also covered uh, multiple Olympics, you don't know until like a month before. It's just the way it goes because they have to make it through trials, through national trials, to get to make it onto their teams, um, I know that when I went to to Brazil, I didn't know about two thirds of the people that I'd be covering. And it turns out I got four four women gold medalists uh, in yeah. Rio to write about from the Pittsburgh area, which was amazing. But no, I'm not aware of any. I'm not aware of any yet. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Mr. Eric says, how good is the quarterback draft next year? Or is that too far away? Um, it's interesting to look at it. Sam Howe is a is an early guy that I'm looking at from North Carolina. Um, he looks like he could be a guy to uh to, to really to really look at. Uh keep it keep an eye on Phil Jerkovich from uh, Boston College. He's actually a local guy. I like him. Yeah, that name but, rings a bell. Why is that? Um, I want to say what was he a, I think he was a Pine Richland guy. Um, you know, he's yeah, a, yeah, he yeah. Been, 
He's a big name, and like Pitt saw how big of an arm he launched like a sixty-yard touchdown on them this year. That's uh, why the name rings a yes. bell. He he. Oh wow, was he mm-hmm. good against Pitt? Mm-hmm. He was really good, and I'm telling you, though, his build, his cannon size, his ability to keep plays alive, he reminds me of Ben a little bit. I'm not they saying he is no, Ben Roethlisberger. Here we go. No answer for him. They had no answer for him. Mm-hmm. Um, but those would be my two guys, Phil Jerkovich and Sam Howell. But there's there's also like Desmond Riddler and all these other guys that are coming to play. We just got to see how next year plays out before we start ranking guys. Here's one for Tom since he just came back from Vanderbilt, checking out uh, checking out the top two pitching prospects in the upcoming Major League Baseball draft. Joel asks, do the Pirates definitely take Jack Leiter or Kumar Rocker, or will they consider uh, a high school prospect? Like Jordan Lawler, he's Lawler, of course, is a shortstop, so that's a different discussion. DK, don't you think? I mean, what do you? First of all, let, let me ask you this: you're the, you're our baseball expert here. Will the will the Pirates spend whatever they have to do to draft one of those guys? You know the base, the ins and outs well, of the it's draft. A, it's a it's a slotted system now. Okay, I yeah, mean, I mean, they, they, everyone would, everyone signs everyone. It's a slotted system. Every, there's would, one there's one salary for each slot. You would think that I, mean, I would think it would be one of those guys. I mean, you you are at the, the the best baseball finishing school for pitchers in the country. You're getting to work with one of the best pitching coaches in the country. Both of these guys were studs coming in uh, to Vanderbilt, and neither one of them has disappointed. Uh, I guess you let the process play out this year. Uh, but the other part of it, and you know this better than anybody, DK, a lot of it is projection. It's not just at the end of this season, at the end of the college world series, if they're fortunate enough to get there, which one's pitching better. A lot of it is, okay, what's Kumar going to look like in three, two or three years when he's ready to pitch in the major leagues? What is lighter going to look like at two or three years? And they are different pitchers. I mean, you listen into, you listen to their manager, Tim Corbin, who's done such a great job down there. So that their fastballs hit about the same mark on the radar gun, but they're totally different. Yeah. So it's, I, these guys are, these, these guys are, they're they're really close. My, my my direct answer to Joel's question is this: in the unfair, imbalanced world of Major League Baseball, meaning the economics, and I have had baseball executives tell me this: the only way that Pittsburgh, the Pittsburgh franchise, or other franchises like it, can get truly elite starting pitching is through the draft, because you will never, ever, 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 ever procure them through free agency. When you see Trevor Bauer getting $40 million a year, that player will never, ever, ever, ever be in Pittsburgh. So the only one you'll have, the only way you'll ever have someone like that is through the draft. And then you retain their rights for four, five, six years before they- it's six years before they get the free agency. But depending on when you'd want to trade them, the way the Rays just did with Blake Snell. To me, you cannot pass these guys up, especially, especially if Mitch Keller busts. You have to have elite starting pitching to win a, a championship. There's there's no way uh, around that whatsoever. Uh, Paul says, "Who will butt dial Tom today?" <laughs> no, nobody, but you, but you know you know what we've got uh, for for our hockey listeners. We've got our sixty six eighty seven podcast. We're getting ready to ramp up here in a couple minutes. So a uh, uh, little little uh, shameless plug for that. So. That's going to be fun. So far, nobody. No, right. Uh, 
Baba Banjo asks, what options do the Pirates have to replace the anchors on the roster? <laughs> Who are they and when can they? I think he means when can they arrive. Uh, the Pirates have options. Uh, they have Miguel Yohure can come up and take Trevor Cahill's place. I wish that would happen already. Yohure was supposed to be in the running for the Yankees rotation. Did you know that? I mean, he was supposed to be the five guy for the Yankees, and the Pirates have him in their satellite group. Um, I have a feeling that that has to do with the the more, uh, you know, the all the, the, what am I talking about, service time here, issues where you want to keep a guy down and everything else. Um, but there are some players. It's it's not it's not extraordinary depth. Neil Huntington and Kyle Stark made sure that they would not have they would not have depth. Um, let's find another one here. Here, Hank says you can take this one, Tom. Does anybody agree that both Rocker and Lighter have a good chance to be all stars? <clears throat> I just oh, think man. the fan base is torturing themselves. Yeah, it's just so far. You know, you never. I, I know. First of all, you got to have health, right? I mean, these guys have to stay healthy. Uh, they could be. I mean, boy. I mean, Steven Strasburg has turned out just fine, but we all remember what those first couple of seasons like. That was probably heart and mouth time for the, the Washington Nationals because they kept shutting him down. So, uh, boy, they, they look good. And I mean, I you know, Rock or Lighter was awesome when I saw him, and he's had a great season. But again, it's what uh, DK. I saw you saying that maybe is it's uh, college is what like low level A ball. The comparison. What's the comparison? Uh, no, it, yeah, it, 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 I, I'd say it's low A. Yeah. Okay, so again, just take that into mind when 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 we're talking about these guys. Oh, it's yeah. not like it's not like college football where the, the two best players in the SEC are coming out next year and you're expecting them to play right away. Baseball is is one of those things where you got to work your way through and a lot of things can happen. Ben says, do any of the mock drafts, meaning the NFL in this case, ever get it right? I don't see the Steelers drafting Najee Harris with the Dolphins drafting ahead of them, though he would be a nice addition. Are there, Carter, are there any? Like, for, a, for I mean, for the years and years and years, only ever talked about Mel Kuyper. And now, like, Mel's, like, barely an afterthought. Like, there's, like, yeah. everybody else comes up. What? Uh, who are the ones that, like, are the most respected as far as getting it right? Not who's entertaining in advance. Well, me, of course. I mean, I, uh. I usually get, like, 15 or 16 right a year in the first round. So I'm just letting you know I'm the guy. Um, no, but I, I would go check out if you want more, like, like guys that do deep dives and and, and kind of have to do the work at a harder level. Go to the Draft Network. Trevor Sakema and Ben Solak, uh, those are two great guys that do a lot of great breakdowns. I've had some conversations with them. In fact, I will have a conversation with them in a little bit here. Um, they're having me on their on their uh, their uh, their NFL Draft podcast today to make a pick for the Steelers. So um, there, there's plenty of guys out there. You know, uh, Todd McShay and Mel Kuyper, they're just the ESPN dudes. They've been doing it for the longest, so they get they, they get first dibs for a lot of people. But the, trust me, there's Dale and myself, we're just people from doing it from the Steelers angle. There's plenty of national guys that they do big sweeping looks at all the different players and franchises. And sure, they'll, make, they'll have their misses, but there are people who do get, I'd say, half of the first round right in a year. Boys, I'm going to jump off. You guys continue. We got, a, like I said, we got our, our other podcast coming up. I love this format. I can't wait to be back. Hopefully Wednesday, I think. So, yep. thank yep. you. 
All right, All right boys. Enjoy. Carter and I can take a couple more here. Rory asks the chances of the Steelers playing in the UK soon are nil. Yeah, um, they, the they, they they have yeah the the next international game the Steelers will be playing according to Art Rooney himself will be in Mexico and he's really looking forward to it. Now with the Jaguars and the rotation, I guess you can never say never if they end up being in on that. But uh, my understanding is that their next international game, and they're overdue for one, uh, as you might know, Rory, I, I covered the last one in London in 2013. Uh, it's been eight years since the Steelers have been abroad. That is a long period of time for any uh, NFL franchise. Um, let's, uh, let's take two more here. Mr. Eric says, what's harder on a pitcher's arm, throwing 96-plus or a lot of junk like Greg Maddox? Not sure Maddox is the guy that you'd want to use as the example. Uh, Maddox took it, you know, Maddox didn't throw junk as much as he was pinpointing. Right. Uh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? He, <laughs> like, I remember because he always said, he's like, if I got a guy 0-2, I'm throwing a third strike. You know, yeah, I'm not I'm not throwing throwing. He's not, waste, he's not wasting his time. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, everything I've ever heard from pitchers, pitching coaches, and even doctors who, who work with baseball pitchers, is that the off-speed stuff has a greater strain specifically on the elbow. Mm. Uh, that doesn't mean that they, if they were to throw all fastballs that they wouldn't get hurt. Uh, pitching is very much an inexact medical science. Here we're going to end it with this one today, Carter. Paul says, what will cause Yinzers to go to the call-in shows or the tweets faster? The Steelers not drafting a running back or either of the two running backs, or the Pirates not drafting either of the two Vanderbilt pitchers. Well, if they get Javante Williams, I think it'll be fine. But if they if they don't get if they don't get any of the top three running backs, there will be lots of conversations for a long time. Though if the Pirates don't draft any of those Vandy pitchers, I'm sure there will be a lot of calls because people are going to be like, "All we heard for months was was this guy or that guy," and then it's neither, and then it's going to make people think the Pirates are still an inept organization that will never get themselves right. Uh, yeah, I think the Pirates one might get more because there's been more hype built around getting the number one overall pick, whereas the Steelers this is the 24th pick. They just need to, they they need to get a running back somewhere, and there's still a push to not get one of those running backs. I haven't heard anyone say, "Hey, skip over Lighter and Rocker." Now, I'll get technical with Paul here because he's, he refers to the call-in shows and the tweets, and those are two different things because mm -hmm. the call-in shows, you're talking about local, okay? And where local comes, I, I think that you'll see any kind of potential anger related to the Pirates move directly to number one, okay? With the tweets, you're talking about Steelers Nation. Um, I'm fond of saying internally, and I don't care who it ticks off, most Steelers fans do not live here. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's just a fact. I don't know if people realize that most of the Steelers season ticket holders don't live anywhere near Pittsburgh. Did you know that, Carter? Yeah, I know. I, I do know that. Yeah, it's close to fifty percent of their season ticket base flies or drives in from way. I'm not even talking about like adjacent counties. I'm talking about other states. Yeah, so no, I know what you mean. It's a it's a totally different dynamic here. Anyway, thanks to everybody for participating. This was uh, this was this was a lot of fun here. It's more fun when it's not just me. I, I kind of like it like this. Uh, yeah, and here comes Randy, Steelers fan from Connecticut. We'll do another one of these tomorrow. All right, deal. All right, y'all. All right, afternoon. Ask anything. Thanks.